from Public Health Institute. Welcome to the PHICDC Global Health Podcast, a monthly podcast that highlights stories from the PHICDC Global Health Fellowship Program, a U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention-funded program implemented by the Public Health Institute. Our fellows are guided by CDC Global Health experts and work on the front lines of global health, developing the technical and professional skills needed to make meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges. I'm your host, Whitney Hall, the program's administration and communications specialist. We had a hiatus for a few months as we welcomed our new cohort of Global Health Fellows, but I'm excited today to share our latest interview with Evan Pye, MPH. Evan is a Program Management Fellow for CDC Center for Global Health based in Washington, D.C. He discusses global health policy, his work responding to COVID-19 within the Emergency Operations Center at CDC, and his previous work experience with WHO and various organizations in Uganda. Welcome, Evan. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today, and I'm yeah, really looking forward to hearing more about your experience with CDC and just your background in public health. Thanks, Whitney. Yeah, happy to be here. So let's start with what is your current role at CDC as a fellow? Um, so I'm in the program management track, and I'm working in the, the CDC Center for Global Health's Washington office, which is part of the Office of the Director at CGH, Center for Global Health. And we are a small team here in Washington. We work closely with the CGH policy team, um, other parts of the Office of the Director, and also with the four uh, divisions of the Center for Global Health. And then because of our location here in DC, we work closely with a lot of other parts of the government, a lot of U.S. agencies that are involved in global health, and also with a lot of external partners that are based in D.C. or have offices here that uh, CDC works with or that are involved in global health. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on because I feel like you have a pretty unique assignment. You're the only fellow in D.C., and that'll be really, yeah, just interesting to hear more about your experiences. Um, what is your background in public health or global health prior to starting the fellowship, and what made you decide to pursue a master's in public health? Yeah, so um, I studied global health in college. I did a bachelor's of science in global health. At the time that I was applying for schools, I think global health was just becoming, it was just beginning to be offered by uh, just a few universities at first as an undergraduate major. And that did affect uh, where I chose to go to school. So I ended up at the University of Southern California and declared global health as a major right away. Um, And then never switched from that. Um, Finished the degree in global health um, which I, I, I really liked uh, just the interdisciplinary nature. You took classes to do with international relations, um, basic science classes, and then sort of the public health uh, core classes, introductions to epidemiology um, and that sort of thing. And then just wanted to continue studying global health once I finished the four years of undergrad. So I just continued at USC did the Master of Public Health, um, and there was a global health track as part of that degree, which I enrolled in, um, and so finished that in in 2016. Um, another nice thing about 
I think most MPH programs is that they uh, involve some sort of internship or practicum experience, uh, which is a good way to expose you to working in the field while you're still in a safe environment and still studying. Um, so I got to do an internship in Geneva with the World Health Organization over the summer of 2015, and that was an amazing experience. I attended um, the World Health Assembly that year and then worked during the summer with a team uh, at WHO headquarters that uh, was working on digital health. Um, and then when I graduated from that MPH degree, uh, I really wanted international experience. And so I only applied to jobs outside of the country and ended up working for an organization in Uganda called the Global Health Network of Uganda. I had volunteered with them throughout college and had uh, so had spent two summers uh, volunteering there in Uganda. They're based in northern Uganda in a district called Oyam. Um, so I was familiar with the organization and their work and uh, ended up working for them full-time once I graduated. Um, I worked there for a year, which was just a really great experience after finishing my MPH because I was there working uh, in villages and communities that this organization had established a really strong level of trust with over the past 10 years. The rest of the organization staff was all Ugandan themselves. Um, and I just got to observe and be a part of their work, which was training community health workers um, who had a focus on pregnant women and young children. They were working in schools, developing these school health clubs. They were working with uh, women's groups in a bunch of different villages um, to convene these village savings and loan associations, which was this form of microfinance uh, that allowed women to save money as a group each week and then take out a loan when uh, money was needed in an emergency to pay for school fees or maybe to pay for transportation to a hospital. Um, so I was really seeing firsthand a lot of what I had learned about in my global health and MPH programs. Um, and then stayed in Uganda um, after that to work with UNFPA, which is the UN Population Fund, and that's the UN Agency for Sexual and Reproductive Health and Rights. Um, that was my first experience with like working for a big organization. I was a consultant for six months um, and also, also just had a really good experience there. And then uh, ended up in Geneva from there, working with the same team that I had interned with at WHO uh, when I was doing my MPH program. So in 2018, I returned to Geneva and was working with a group at WHO called Be Healthy, Be Mobile. And they were using cell phones and mobile devices to implement health programs, uh, first focused on non-communicable diseases, but then has been expanding to other areas of health as well. Um, and yeah, finding innovative ways to help people quit smoking, 
um, to address other risk factors for non-communicable diseases, or to address the disease themselves and encourage people to get screened for cervical cancer or manage their diabetes all over the phone through text message um, or other messaging platforms or voice, uh, recorded voice calls. And I spent two and a half years with that team in Geneva uh, before coming here to CDC for the PHI fellowship. Um, and I've been here for, for a year now. It sounds like you knew kind of early on that you're, you know, you were really interested in global health, which is impressive. I feel like it takes people longer to, <laughs> to figure that out and follow their, well, you know, what they're passionate about. But looking back, I know, you, you know, you shared some stories about your prior work in Geneva and Uganda, but are there any key experiences or stories that stand out as the most impactful in helping build your skills or confirm your path in global health that you wanted to continue doing this? Yeah, um, there have been a lot of good experiences, and I've I've just been really lucky to work at some of these organizations, uh, which also have um, a, a lot of the best staff and people in the world, I think, working on global health. So I've just been surrounded by um, really great mentors and colleagues and just tried to learn as much from them as possible. Um, one friend once articulated uh, a feeling that I shared really well and that I think a lot of other people in this field do as well. And she said that once she traveled, uh, to another part of the world and saw uh, extreme poverty firsthand and extreme inequality firsthand, um, that she knew she wanted to work in this field right away for the rest of her life. And that's, uh, that's the feeling I had that I had never articulated as well. But um, yeah, once in high school I started just learning more about the world and the challenges uh, that other parts of the world face and the inequality that exists. And then I just had, yeah, this itch to, to travel to other parts of the world uh, and to work there and see it for myself, which I did uh, as soon as I had the chance and finished school. Um, and then, well, yeah, after learning about it and seeing it, it, it just confirmed that um, if these challenges exist and there are people working to address them, then I definitely want to be one of those people and work with them uh, and spend my career doing that. So um, it, it was, uh, it, it was a, a, a passion that I, yeah, I, I guess I identified pretty early on and, and has just stuck strongly since then, um, which is nice to have that, uh, I guess, that clarity about what to do and then it's it's such a big field that there's so much diversity about how you go about um, addressing inequality and working in global health so there's so many options so um, it is a great field and it also offers you the ability to live uh, in other parts of the world and that's been yeah one of the one of the best parts uh, of my short career, it's just been five years since finishing school, but I've, I've really loved all the places that I've lived. Um, while in Uganda, I was in, like I said, this just district called Oyam. It's in northern Uganda. Um, it's a rural district, and it had some of the lowest levels of income and education and health outcomes because it was in 
the, I mean, northern Uganda, the region that was affected by the LRA war and Joseph Kony, the Lord's Resistance Army, between the mid-1980s and the mid-2000s. Um, and there were a lot of NGOs and, and groups working in this area, but there was still so much work to do and so many gaps. Um, and the NGO that I was working on, even though it was focused on global health, we got involved a lot in the education system. We got involved in microfinance and in local district policy. So that kind of helped me understand just the interdisciplinary nature of global health as a field and the importance of addressing the social determinants of health and not just having a narrow focus on uh, diseases or their immediate causes, but looking upstream at um, some of the deeper causes of disease and uh, the structural influences in society that lead to poor health outcomes. Um, so understanding that by experiencing it in Uganda was, was really helpful to me. And then when I was working at UNFPA, I was based in the capital, Kampala in Uganda. I was working there in a big office of about 65 people. Only three people in the office, including me, were from another country, so the majority of the staff was Ugandan. Um, and I had a similar experience in WHO in Geneva where uh, I was, I mean, there's some American representation, but it's, it's really a collection of international colleagues. And so you get a lot of, of just really interesting perspectives and experiences just working with people from other countries. Um, but also I think you get the chance to uh, just observe how they work. And I mean, in Uganda, I really felt like I was working with some of the smartest and hardest working um, and most passionate people uh, in the country focused on global health. So um, I just felt lucky to, to be working amongst them at such an early part of my career and trying to um, have as much of that rub off on me as possible. Um, so yeah, I think just working in these diverse environments with colleagues from around the world has been as helpful as anything in this early part of my career. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I mean, it sounds like you've had some really rewarding learning experiences through um, these various positions you've held. So why did you then decide to pursue the PHIAC Global Health Fellowship? Yeah, well, I liked that the PHI Fellowship was focused on people in their early career, uh, which I was and, and still am. And um, I was really happy with the experiences that I'd had and uh, working at, at WHO, which I was when I applied. But um still felt like I was in the, yeah, the, the learning phase of my career and also understood, I, I think, the, the privilege that comes with being an American citizen and so having the access and ability to work at some of these institutions like CDC, which are some of the largest and well-established and well-funded institutions in the world that are working in global health. Um, so I just, I saw it as another step in learning about the global health landscape and the different actors in global health 
and what kind of opportunities there are in this field. And I'm just trying to understand as much of that as I can while I'm still um, a young professional. And also, I mean, this position in particular really appealed to me because it's based in Washington, D.C., and I knew I would be exposed to um, just seeing how the U.S. government works and makes decisions, allocates funding, and coordinates across agencies on different topics like global health. That was something I didn't have any experience with. I had never even worked in the U.S. after graduating uh, from school. So uh, I thought this fellowship and this position sounded like a great opportunity. Um, and, and it really has been. I mean, the support from the fellowship um, and the, the placements uh, and just the, the opportunities and responsibilities that you get as a fellow... Uh, working very closely with CDC staff and really working uh, as a staff member uh, is uh, has just been a really cool experience. Great. Yeah, we've mostly had, I feel like, fellows on this podcast who are pursuing epidemiology or surveillance, so I'm really interested to hear about your work in program management and especially that being that you're in D.C. So as a program management fellow, what are some of your responsibilities and what do you feel kind of sets program management apart from other tracks like epi or surveillance? And then along with that, how often do you communicate with staff from other offices in Atlanta or globally? Uh, I do feel like program management is different from the other tracks. Unfortunately, I think because of COVID and also because I'm based here in Washington uh, and a lot of the fellows are in Atlanta or in other country offices, um, I, I don't know a whole lot about what the fellows in other tracks are doing on a day-to-day basis, but I, I can imagine it's quite different because uh, being in the program management track uh, we're not, we're not involved in, in like the type of data analysis or publishing our findings. Um, my position is actually not even involved in program implementation the way that some of the fellows at the division level or at a country office might be. Um, in my role, it's, it's really, well, the, the CGH Washington team is uh, serving, I think, as a bridge between all the work that CDC is doing in Atlanta and around the world with all the other groups in Washington that are also involved in global health. And there's, there's so much going on in Washington and so many groups involved in global health here that I think it makes a lot of sense that there's a team representing CDC's global work here in D.C. Um, so... What that means for us is that we talk every week with the different divisions of the Center for Global Health at CDC to understand what they're doing, what programs are being implemented, what the status is, and also sharing with them uh, what we are learning from the office of the director level and from our conversations here in Washington. Um, So we try to stay up to speed as much as possible what's going on at the Center for Global Health, but then we're also speaking all the time with uh, NGOs that have offices in Washington, um, like the Global Health Council, a lot of think tanks that are involved in global health, um, 
different donors and large foundations and then implementing partners uh, that are working in many cases on the ground with CDC but have offices in Washington and then also multilateral organizations uh, like the World Bank that's headquartered here. The Pan American Health Organization is based here uh, which serves as the America's regional office for WHO. Um, so we're, we're talking as much as possible to each of these groups and really trying to help facilitate the exchange of information um, and also helping to prepare other members of CGH at the division level or the leadership level uh, have conversations with these groups in Washington and in the U.S. government. Um, and so, the, yeah, in the government itself, there's um, the Department of Health and Human Services, which CDC sits, CDC sits under, but NIH also has uh, a global health group, the Fogarty International Center. FDA does, is involved in global health work. Um, the Department of Defense, the Department of State, um, which houses PEPFAR, uh, and teams for each region of the world with desk officers liaising with U.S. missions in every country. Um, the U.S. Agency for International Development obviously has a lot of global health work. They have their Bureau of Global Health. Um, and so everyone's uh, working in this field and in a lot of cases in the same areas of global health, especially with with uh, the COVID response. Um, so just coordinating that and understanding what everyone's working on, what the priorities are and what the strategies are and how all the pieces fit together. Um, that's a lot of what we spend our time doing. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's either speaking with these groups ourselves or facilitating conversations between the CGH leadership and CGH divisions with each of these groups. Great, that's helpful background to know. Um, since your fellowship assignment involves health policy, what are some key lessons you've learned so far working in policy, or is there anything you were surprised by? And do you have any advice for others who are interested in working in policy? Yeah, well, I mentioned the, um, the, the program management and policy work that, that I'm involved in uh, it doesn't necessarily use a lot of the hard skills that people might associate with public health or at least with um, epidemiology and biostatistics and research. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of soft skills that I've definitely learned a lot about since coming here to CDC and through some of my other jobs. Um, so a big part of it is relationship building, which I'm, I'm sure looks different here, different now in COVID uh, than it did before when we were meeting everyone in person around Washington. But we, I mean, we, we do spend time at either at the beginning or the end of each meeting just chatting and getting to know one another, talking about the weather or families. And I've, I've really grown to appreciate that, that sort of relationship building because that really does translate to more willingness to share information and more trust between different groups. And that trust between individuals can translate to more information being shared between two uh, agencies of, of the U.S. government. So that's 
uh, it does have real implications. And um, yeah, just those conversations and those relationships, I think, are a big part of of how information gets shared um, and how all these groups work together. And then information exchange feels like one of the main activities that that we're involved in. And I think it is a skill, um, understanding the importance of being generous with the information that you have available and also respecting which information might be sensitive or internal to CDC or a particular group. Um, so striking that balance, but um, yeah, be, being open and even offering information before it's asked for, but showing that willingness to work together um, can make a big difference uh, towards the larger collaboration between these these big groups. And then flexibility has been an important element of all this, um, especially during the pandemic. Um, and and being, I think, a part of the U.S. government, which I'm still kind of navigating my way around, but there's just so many huge parts of the government that are all making decisions, implementing programs, that it's impossible to keep track of it all. And there's different levels of decision-making, so we still hear about important global health decisions that might come from the White House. Uh, we might hear from it, hear about it in the news rather than through our own channels. Um, and so, yeah, it's just important to be flexible and understand that you can't be a part of every conversation, but you just have to do the best with the information that you have and uh, with, the, uh, with the people that you're talking to. And then in terms of advice for working in policy, I think I've really benefited from working first in program implementation and from working abroad um, and in country. Uh, I think that has all been valuable experience to bring to this policy work. And in a lot of the meetings that I attend, I'm reminded of situations uh, from my previous jobs uh, in in Uganda or in Switzerland. And I'm also working with a lot of people who have experiences from many different countries and working on many different programs. Um, so getting, I think, a, a diverse set of experiences is really valuable uh, when doing policy work. Can you tell us how the CDC's Center for Global Health in Washington, so the Washington team, works with partners in D.C., both governmental and non-governmental, kind of building off of of your last comment there about you know, communication. Yeah, um, with a lot of partners and collaborators, we have regular meetings set up at a frequency that that makes sense for the intensity of the collaboration that we have. So it might be weekly or biweekly, or monthly or quarterly. Um, but it's it's nice having those regular meetings. Because even if you wouldn't think to schedule a meeting with a certain person or a certain group, uh, a lot of things come up during those regular conversations that that are important, yeah, pieces of background information or things to check up on. Um, so just yeah, setting up those regular meetings is is uh, makes up a lot of I think our work during the week, um, and then there are also a lot of ad hoc meetings. Uh, with these groups about specific projects. Some of the meetings 
are more informal, but some of them do take quite a bit of preparation. Um, and in some of the meetings, we're leading ourselves, whereas others, we're facilitating uh, CGH leadership to be the main participants in the meeting and making sure that they're prepared with all the information that we've been able to gather with talking points and background information. Um, so, yeah, the, I, I would say our work consists of meeting and speaking with a lot of these partners and then spending a lot of time preparing for those meetings, whether that's writing briefers or having a discussion with colleagues to plan these meetings. And, um, and then just always gathering as much information from internally within CDC and throughout Washington, D.C., so that um, the decision makers are as informed as possible. Uh, well, you've touched on this a little bit, but what does your work look like on a daily or weekly basis? It sounds like you have a lot of meetings. Um, yeah. what, kind of, what kind of activities do you spend the majority of your time on as a program management fellow in the Washington, D.C. office? Yeah, so, I mean, the subject of the meetings definitely changes every week, so we just need to make sure that we're on top of uh, the information that's being discussed in those meetings. Um, we also do work on a number of special projects that, that come up uh, throughout the week or throughout the month. Some of them are quick turnaround, like within 24 hours, and other times uh, they're like slow burn projects that are going on in the background. Um, we work with State Department on their Embassy Science Fellows Program, which places experts from the U.S. government into missions from around the world, but working closely with uh, their host governments. So the idea is to build capacity in uh, governments around the world um, by offering two to three months of an expert's time from the U.S. government. And so CDC, although we have a presence in uh, over 50 countries around the world, uh, we also, uh, by participating in this program with State Department, give the opportunity for fellows or for staff who are based at CDC headquarters to go out for some time, or this year it's happening virtually, um, to provide extra assistance to foreign governments. Um, and then there are a lot of bilateral meetings between the U.S. and foreign governments on the topic of, of uh, global health or certain diseases or the COVID response. Um, and we're involved in a number of those. Uh, and that just means preparing to make sure the right people, the right experts from CDC, are part of the conversation and uh, that all the information is there for uh, either maintaining a specific collaboration or starting new ones or uh, aligning our priorities or thinking of new strategies. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really interesting to hear your perspective because I feel like a lot of fellows I've interviewed have um, talked about analyzing data and you know, dashboards and what you do is really different than that. Um, and I'm sure would, you know, speak to a lot of people who are, who are wanting something that is not so data focused, but, um, collaborative work in a, in a different way. Um, so going off of that, you're also the first fellow I've <laughs> interviewed who has started, 
um, remotely. So most people I, you know, have talked to have, they started before the pandemic happened, but you were onboarded, you know, after the pandemic, um, got going. So that is a big challenge in itself, just the social isolation of working remote. How have you made the most of your fellowship while working remotely, particularly since you started remotely? And then how have you built relationships with colleagues or partners? What have been um, you know, challenges you face and if you have any advice for, for others starting a position remotely? I, I think it's not been as hard as I would have expected um, being based online. I've met some of my colleagues on my team just once or twice and some of them not at all in person but have still spent a lot of time obviously meeting meeting and talking to them on zoom and have still been able to build a relationship uh, with them that way um, which is stronger than I would have imagined uh, without having even ever met them in person in some cases but I definitely look forward to uh, working with everyone more in person and then um, the CGH Washington office usually is is the only one that is able to access a lot of these meetings that happen in Washington. Uh, now, a lot of our colleagues in Atlanta or in country offices at CDC are able to be a part of the meetings that are based in Washington, which I think is a good thing for the agency overall. Uh, it's also nice for us because we're involved, I think, a lot more in meetings that are based in Atlanta or the country offices, just because everyone's so um, comfortable now uh, with Zoom and, and Teams and making meetings online. Um, so I think everyone has more access to colleagues that are based in different offices. Um, but I'm sure there are costs to, to losing the, the um, human experience of, of meeting in person. So I think there are pros and cons, and it'll be interesting to see how CDC and other offices navigate going back to work and whether it is a hybrid system, because I think you don't want to lose some of the benefits that we gain from virtual work, but do want to get back the advantages of uh, working with everyone in person. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's lessons to be learned and for sure silver lining with, with being remote as well. Um, we haven't really talked m much about the pandemic specifically, but I know that you uh, worked in a role responding to COVID-19. So maybe you can talk more about what your work was like responding to COVID-19 on a detail assignment with CDC and what have been some key takeaways. Yeah, sure. I've, I have done two rotations on the CDC COVID response, each for uh, about a month, four or five weeks. And um, a, a lot of CDC staff are, are doing that at least for a month at a time, um, including members of my team. We've been kind of rotating out every couple months. Um, so if I worked first with uh, the policy team uh, for the overall CDC COVID response. And in that role, I was helping with the weekly partner updates, which was a weekly call um, where we would focus on a specific topic and bring specific subject matter experts from across CDC, or at least across the COVID response, to talk about uh, whatever was pertinent 
that week, whether it was um, school openings or new mask guidance or vaccines. And that call was open to the public, so we would have often a few hundred uh, attendees from local governments, from NGOs, from the press, and just from the public. Um, and that office was also just helping coordinate across the different task forces. So I, I got to speak with and learn about what each of the different task forces that make up the COVID response were working on. Um, and then in my second rotation, uh, which was just uh, during the month of August of this year, I was working in the International Task Force of the COVID response um, in their policy team. This is was kind of similar work to what I do with CGH Washington, but obviously just focused solely on COVID. And so that means that you're still having regular meetings with partners across the U.S. government and um, from other countries, other governments and external partners. Um, but it's a different set of partners and focused on a different set of challenges all to do with COVID. Um, so that was that was really nice too to get exposed to that and to be working with a new team of people and all new partners and understanding how the response is working both in the U.S. and in other countries as well. What's it like to work with CDC staff and what have been highlights of your experience with staff or mentors? Uh, it sounds like you've had a lot of collaboration with different offices, but um, my understanding from what you said is that the DC staff is pretty small, so it'd be interesting to hear about your experiences. Yeah, my, uh, I mean, the the Center for Global Health staff that are based in Washington is is a very small team. Um, there are more CDC staff that make up the CDC Washington team, um, and and then so we do work with them, and then. We work with more of our policy colleagues at the Center for Global Health that are based in Atlanta and all the divisions of CGH that are based in Atlanta. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the experience working with CDC staff at the Center for Global Health has, has been really amazing. And it is part of the reason, a big part of the reason that I applied for this fellowship was the opportunity to work at an institution like CDC, which attracts, um, I think, just some of the best people working in global health. And so getting the chance to work with them and learn from them is, uh, is just really helpful at any stage of, of your career, I think. And then working on the response has exposed me to a lot more staff from across CDC, from other centers. Um, so those have been really nice, like one month chunks of time that I've just been doing separate work and working with and meeting new people. Um, so yeah, overall, everyone's just uh, really impressive how dedicated, um, hardworking they are and organized um, and collaborative. Um, so I've just been happy, <laughs> happy with the experience and uh, with everyone that I've worked with at CDC so far. Yeah, you have a really varied mix, it seems like, in your work experience being in Uganda, Geneva, now in D.C. 
Uh, how has the fellowship impacted your career tra- trajectory for what you'd like to do next? Do you know what you want to pursue after the fellowship? And do you have any advice to listeners in terms of what has helped you enter um, the global health field and succeed? Yeah, I, um, I, I, I do feel like I've been lucky that I've got to experience global health work um, in country uh, although just just in the one country of Uganda, and then at the global level in Switzerland, and now in DC as well, um, and so I've I've been kind of trying to figure out this whole time what I really like doing and where I want to be. Um, I do really like the work that I'm doing now. Uh, this global health policy work, part of the U.S. government at CDC. I like Washington DC a lot as a city. I really like living here. Um, and I, I also like program implementation, the work that I was doing in Uganda and Geneva. Um, and then here it's been, also I've been exposed to the intersection of the global health workforce with uh, other fields like diplomacy, governance, uh, policy, and other areas uh, that might intersect with health. Um, and, and then I also did like my time both in Uganda and Switzerland, um, and that made me feel more comfortable about living in other countries and curious about living in other countries. So right now I, I feel like I'm open to a lot of different opportunities in the future and have a pretty good sense of, of what I like and what I'm comfortable with. But for now, I just want to make the most of this fellowship placement and keep working with the CGH Washington team for as long as I can. Great. Uh, well, if a listener wants to learn more about CDC's Center for Global Health's work based out of DC, uh, or is curious about the particular projects you're working on, um, where would you direct them? Yeah, people can find me um, on LinkedIn. Uh, it's just Evan Pye, P-Y-E. Um, I think if you search for that name with CDC, I should pop up and they can feel free to um, send me an invitation to connect or send a message uh, for any questions. If it's questions about CGH's work more generally, you can um, check out the Center for Global Health website on uh, on CDC, CDC's website, um, or I can try to help connect you to the right information that you're looking for if you reach out to me. Great. Um, yeah, this wasn't in my questions either, but I, I guess building off of that, like, if people are wanting to see what's most up to date in terms of health policy that comes out of CDC, would you just direct them to cdc.gov and the website or, you know, CDC's Twitter account? I'm kind of just curious. Yeah, I think the Center for Global Health's webpage is updated with newsletters and stories from the field Mm -hmm. um, and updates about our work. So I would direct people to that website. You can subscribe for the newsletter, and I'm sure you can find the Twitter and social media pages as well. And I think that's the best resource for for CGH. Okay, great. Yeah, there's so much 
misinformation out there that it's good to know to go directly to the, the sources. So, um, well, thank you so much, Evan, for your time. This was really interesting and um, great to hear about your work in DC and I'm excited to you know see where your career goes from here. Yeah, thanks a lot, Whitney. Thank you to our guest, Evan Pai, MPH, and all of you for tuning in to the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast. This podcast is a project of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program implemented by the Public Health Institute and its partner consortium of universities for global health for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Please join us next time as we share more fellowship stories. To learn more about our program and see how we are making meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges, visit our website at phi-cbcfellows.org. If you enjoy the podcast, you can always subscribe or rate us and leave a review, which helps other listeners find the podcast. For questions, please email us at info at phi-cbcfellows.org. This podcast is produced by Whitney Hall. Thank you to Mike Sage, Christine Caraballo, Natasha Alcaz, Stephanie Gregory, Cora Michael, Felicia Warren, CDC Center for Global Health, PHI, and CGH.